Emerging writers, we're so glad to have you join us as we delve further into the different genres of writing. My name is Stephanie, and as always, I'm joined by my best friend Kayla and my sister Jordan. Hello. Hi. Each month, we'll be focusing on a different genre of writing. To start us off for the new year, we'll be dialing in on science fiction. Kayla, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. To start off, the genre of sci-fi is speculative fiction, often with futuristic and imaginative elements. And in more detail, it's often set with advanced technology, alien creatures, time travel, and space travel. Common themes can include the consequences of potential human choices when it comes to things like technology, the Earth, space, and how we interact with what we consider humans or what we consider uh, inhuman, like robots or aliens. Subgenres, like cyberpunk, can dive into the consequences of human materialism, cybernetics, and take a darker view of the world. And then other subgenres like uh, superheroes and more action-based sci-fi often have a lighter, more positive view of the world and tone to the story with superpowers and advanced technologies that help heroes uplift and defeat evil. The history of science fiction has developed slowly as our mythology and stories that we tell often involves gods and deities and advanced creatures and technology capable of more than humans are. And that has been a part of our history for centuries. However, what we think of as science fiction has only developed in the last few hundred years. A precursor to science fiction is Gulliver's Travels by Jonathan Swift in 1726 which is a satirical travel narrative holding elements of sci-fi. The commonly accepted first science fiction book, however, would be Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from 1818. Even now, 200 years later, it's a story popularly remade. Victor Frankenstein creates the horrific monster of dead body parts and mad science. It stands as the first true sci-fi story in that it includes science beyond what we're capable of, and it questions the morality of such science and futuristic experiments. Sci-fi often has themes of questioning humanity and morality of doing what we are capable of with technology. Along with the history of science fiction and novels, there's also the history in television and film, which has a lot of well-known sci-fi work. Uh, It would be remiss to not mention Doctor Who from the 1960s, Star Trek that started in the 1960s as well, and Star Wars from the 70s. And all three of those are hugely influential sci-fi franchises. Unlike Frankenstein, these all deal with space travel and aliens looking outside of Earth to pose questions of humanity, morality, and imagining worlds beyond our current scope. So with sci-fi in writing, point of view is often in third person, though occasionally in first. And this is similar to fantasy. It's easier to get a scope of this strange and unusual world or to get a scope of the characters if you're not stuck to one person's point of view yeah that makes sense you can do a lot more of the little in-depth stuff when it's not second or something well and the thing about a third person narrator is they can have information that your characters don't and when you're introducing them to a world that a lot of times they're learning with the audience that narrator is going to be important in giving 
the reader that uh, imagery and uh, like imaginative scope. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible to write sci-fi in first person, but it takes, I feel like, a lot more consideration of how you're going to reveal parts of the world. And you have to really try to dial in on showing, not telling, because when it's just from a first person point of view with a character that doesn't really know the world yet, it's easy to just have it happen in dialogue instead of being seen it and discovering it, which is the interesting part of first person, I think. Mm -hmm. I agree. What's lacking in sci-fi? I feel like often women are not the lead characters, though that's been slowly shifting. That seems to be uh, a big problem in a lot of writing in general, outside of maybe romance or young adult stuff. Fantasy also seems to have a lack of that. I think it has a lot to do with, for a really long time, most of the authors were male, mm. and so their characters would then also be male. I think also it's a lot of the times in genres that are more focusing in on plot-heavy aspects or Action, action because even when it's female writers like you know Mary Shelley was one of the first sci-fi writers uh you can focus on male characters leading in action or in mad science or things like that and the reader base will accept it easier mm -hmm. whereas the more character driven plots and romance and things and emotions have always been more female led with like YA or romance I think some of that has to do with just societal roles because yeah. it's been recent that women are allowed to do, you know, battle and those things that have always kind of left women at home, you know. So I think that has something to do with it or thinking that women don't like sci-fi or, you know, aren't interested in superheroes like definitely they thought when they started doing all the Marvel movies and did horrible females. <laughs> Well, and with sci-fi specifically, science has been a male-dominated field for a long time, and mm -hmm. women have been discouraged from pursuing it or taking interest in it. So it makes sense that with that assumption of science in general, the assumption would also be that sci-fi should be like male-focused. Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, I think that only really in the last hundred years or so as gender roles have been becoming more flexible and the slowly. career paths <laughs> slowly <laughs> that we're seeing more of that representation in the fiction that we consume. And there's always been a story here or two, but it's definitely not been the predominant. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It hasn't been like a thing that we need to make role models and give children things to aspire to and you know, focus that towards female children, you know? Yeah. Until more recently. And I should say, this is definitely only from the point of view of an American, because I have no idea what it's like in other countries, fiction and novel landscape, and then gender roles and climate. Mm -hmm. I think as a whole, not just like women leads, but diversity as an all-encompassing thing is pretty lacking, just like it is in fantasy. It is in sci-fi. Like, you don't mm -hmm. see... I don't know. I feel like the way that they try to handle any sort of diverse thing is like, look at these aliens. Aren't they but, weird? Yeah. But they don't really hit on like cultures that are human or like people that are human and kind of branch out in that way or like sexualities or things like that. Yeah, it's definitely not a focus that is brought up or 
explored in most of the media. Yeah, even if we look at some of the like really popular sci-fi beasts, beasts of franchises, not just beasts, uh, like in Star Wars, it's only the most recent trilogy where we're really getting uh, racial and gender representation in the main characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always been one or two characters that aren't white or aren't male, but now it feels like a more even split. And that was very controversial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For some reason. (laughs) A surprising amount of controversy happened. Concerning amount. (laughs) A disappointing amount. (laughs) Yes, that's what it is. Very disappointing. (laughs) In like, what was it the first one came out in? 2017? Yeah. Recent enough that it should not have been a big deal. But I mean, look what happened with Captain Marvel. So, Oh, that shoe. (laughs) Which, it was an incredible movie. And some of... (laughs) The outrage didn't feel deserved. Yeah, I feel like especially before people saw it, to just be outraged about it. Like, if you haven't seen it yet and haven't, like, seen something that bothered you, don't just get mad because it's a movie about a girl. People are going to have their own preconceptions for literally everything. And people who want to be offended will find reasons to be offended. But that's neither here nor there for this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) True. Um. You mentioned Doctor Who, and I haven't been, like, keeping up on it. I haven't watched it in years since I was in, like, high school. Um, I haven't ever watched it, so. I do know that they, in the, like, more recent seasons, have added in, I think, a lesbian character and um, some, like, more color diversity within their cast, Mm. and they added a female doctor finally and there was there was some debate over that people were a little concerned about that (laughs) yeah I haven't kept up with that but I used to watch it in high school as well so like five years ago Mm. and it was good I'm excited that there's more diversity now Mm -hmm. and surprised at at the backlash I feel like uh, it's easier for already established franchises and already established like authors and groups to then add diversity, whereas having new fiction come out with diversity has only been happening in abundance, I would say, really recently within the last mm-hmm. few years. Yeah. I mean, there's some authors that definitely have always had diversity at like the book we read this month from Octavia Butler featured diversity, but it it's not the majority of sci-fi or fantasy until rather recently. Are we seeing more of it? Yeah. Moving into maybe a little bit more of a controversial lack of thing. Um, because of the focus on science and the, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? The tension between science and religion. Mm. Sci-fi tends to either not address any sort of religion at all or look at it in a very negative light. And I guess a lot of times there's not really any need to address science, but if you look at, like, humans and human culture and psychology Religion and spirituality are really big things for the human race. 
So it's interesting how much it is um, absent in mm-hmm. these like uh, futuristic settings or when they do sometimes hit on different like cultures of people, how if they do bring in religion, it's usually like the crazy religious sects who want to, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like science fiction often takes a really critical eye towards larger organizations like governments mm-hmm. and religions yeah, and uh, like fictional organizations within the world or corporations. And I feel like it's really important to have fiction take critical eyes to organizations because oftentimes you'll find corruption within organizations because of the nature of humanity and the flaws within humans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's not really the counterbalance of like, but here's people of faith that aren't corrupt or here's the value of faith in this apocalyptic world. I feel like that's often lacking or seeing organizations that are still like going strong and doing right by their people and for some of those organizations to also be religious or spiritual, that I definitely do not see. Science fiction as a genre has the uh, weight, I guess, of being one of the major genres that really takes the opportunity it has to point out concerns Mm. for society and for organizations and businesses and government. So it's a strength of it and like a staple of it. Yes. I agree. I really think that is one of its strengths. It's just hard to counterbalance that with still the hope and optimism and that like there's worth in having faith and worth in what you cannot see and what science cannot define. Mm. Mm -hmm. But on that note, I think something that sci-fi excels at is world building and developing those tensions and corporations and finding like this world where there is no faith or where everything's unjust. I feel like that sort of fiction is really important to look at of like, oh no, this is a potential that humanity has and a path we shouldn't go down. Mm-hmm. There's also lighter hearted science fiction, definitely. And there's hope to be found in a lot of it. Like if you look at superheroes, but I would say overall, sci-fi tends to excel at these complex, rich worlds. Yeah, they they do a really good job since it's not set in things that are native to us, I guess, of creating something new and fantastical. I think it's definitely like fantasy in that way, that they do so much background information and setting a whole new scene. Well, it's interesting because fantasy can be disconnected from our real world a lot more Mm -hmm. than sci-fi usually is so it's really cool to see them taking our world as we know it and then expanding on it in ways that might actually be achievable or uh scarily might be achievable someday if we keep (laughs) traveling down a certain path you know (laughs) yeah I think there's also interesting worlds and built cultures and stories within sci-fi that are a mix of fantasy and sci-fi, but definitely lean on technology. And one thing that comes to mind out of the blue, but is very prevalent to me, is the Final Fantasy video game series, Mm. because those have a heavy use of technology in all of them, but also mix in this magic and quite a few of the games that I've played have 
uh, narratives of how technology and future things can lead them astray or lead them back to a time before they had tech. Yeah. Yeah, I think video games do a lot of exploring in the science fiction realm. Well, it's a really cool medium because now you're not verbally describing what this tech is that people are imagining. Now you get to show someone what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and they have, you know, the mechanics you can use it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in movies, they have that ability of like showing you. But a lot of times I feel like sci-fi movies end up being live action and you're at the just not disposal, but <laughs> like you have to deal with CGI or special effects. Mm-hmm. But when it's a video game, it's all going to be computer animation yeah. in, in a way that is more seamless than with CGI. So yeah. it can look cooler and you have a little bit more freedom. Yeah, that's true. I think there's some animated series that have come out recently that do feature heavily within the sci-fi genre, but uh, it's less sinister and dark than a lot of the live action sci-fi or novels. One that comes to mind is Steven Universe, which is mm. all alien tech and aliens coming to Earth or already being in Earth. But mm-hmm. these weird crystal gem aliens. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it does a lot of interesting things with the tech and the how the aliens work and how they interact with the humans because, you know, the ones that are on Earth do. And they've formed a little world there living with them. And I think it's an interesting example of meshing the science fiction with people and seeing what can come of it. I think Steven Universe is also an interesting example of writers who have very carefully plotted out giant chunks of the plot and huge parts of the narrative and then trickle it in throughout the series, but in a very child-friendly, easily digestible way. Yeah, there's Which, a lot of focus on like the relationships and little adventures that Steven has with the gems. And then there's, oh, this crazy thing happened. We're finding out more about the history. Yeah, I recently listened to a couple interviews from Rebecca Sugar, the creator, and they were saying that the first like several episodes or season had to be episodic in nature, but they had this larger narrative they wanted to tell, so they had to find ways to trickle in world building and plot that could go in any order, yeah. which sounds like a, a, a large challenge. <laughs> and uh, they also said how, how carefully they plotted things out and then viewed the show through a lens of all of the adults know what's going on and know the darker plots behind it. But Steven is still a child, and so so is getting this child lens of what's happening in the history of his family. And I think that's how child shows should, like, that level of care and detail is how things should be built and how the world should be developed in most fiction. And it's just really impressive. Yeah. Um, As far as books that are sci-fi but not, like, super dark and heavy or whatever... Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a, a really well-known one. I think there's a movie adaptation, right? I never saw it. Yes. It's not quite the same, but it's a movie. <laughs> I feel like that's usually the reaction you can have to movie adaptations to books, to be oh, honest. Yeah, there's just something that books can do that movies cannot. 
but it's super fun and super quirky in its writing. It's just a really fun, easy kind of read that takes you on a, a weird sci-fi journey, you know? Yeah, I read that several years ago, and I really enjoyed it. It was very nonsensical, but in a clever, funny way. Mm -hmm. Another really popular sci-fi book that I read that was super influential to me when I was in middle school was A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Le Guin. I'm horrified that I pronounced her name wrong, but it covers this story of uh, three kids trying or two kids trying to get their brother back and their father and it's a really good book I haven't read it in a few years mm -hmm. but there's also a movie that came out recently of that too I think it's cool that they're starting to look into older sci-fi things especially child geared ones and making them current for mm -hmm. the new generation of kids. It's kind of fun to get them into that. One I read when I was in school was The Giver by um, Lois Lowry. That was kind of a almost dystopian, I think, um, setting in a book where all the emotions are gone from the society and they've tried to just make it this whitewashed, everybody cooperates and doesn't feel things to save humanity, I guess. Yeah, I read that as a teenager, too, and it's like everything that could be passionate is gone from their culture, and the history of the world before their current civilization is gone. And it was a really good book, but that's one where I feel like the movie almost does a better job with it, because you can like really visualize the world better with the movie. I think taking away freedom and people's ability to like feel their natural emotions is a pretty typical like trope for the more dystopian sorts of sci-fi. Because there's a few that come to mind where they control either knowledge or emotions or both or, or something like that. Yeah, I think that's pretty true of a lot of dystopian. You see the tension and uh, up and down between like science and logic and order and then like emotion and passion and heart as and as if uh, it's one or the other which just mm -hmm. isn't how people work mm -hmm. in addition to that tension there's also always questions of what humanity is and mm -hmm. what deserves to be treated with the respect that we would like to treat humans and I feel like that's really prevalent in a lot of sci-fi yeah, a lot of the like super futuristic technology ones with either aliens or robots, especially with robots. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's this weird thing that no one really knows how to react to, so we all react to it in a weird, different way. Mm -hmm. It's fun to see it explored, though. And it has been explored. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> yeah. I like that when they take it that all the robots are evil <laughs> like yeah these guys are definitely bad <laughs> well it tends to be a lot of humanity versus the other whether it's mm -hmm. robots or aliens mm -hmm. so uh aliens a lot of times end up in like three major categories they're either actively evil or they're benevolent but in like a threatening way where mm -hmm. you're getting back to that uh taking away from uh, our free will mm -hmm. mm, yeah um or it's like this weird gray area 
of like we're working with them but or whatever i've also seen a lot of sci-fi where the humans are the cast as the invader and the colonizer and then the humans are the evil ones and oftentimes the alien culture is the victim like it, the avatar movie comes to mind mm. yeah i think that's an interesting take to make <laughs> but also just hits a little close to home Oh, gosh. Right? Colonizers. Yeah. Hey, I'm not one of those. You're half one. True, true. I do have a colonizer half. You're half (laughs) colonizer, half oppressed. Uh, I'm a lovely blend of the two worlds. Oh, gosh. Um, Uh, Just to sort of throw a few other staple things out there. There's a lot of body modifications with technology or like use of nanotechnology. Mm. Um, I've seen nanotech used a lot in like healing capacities where there are these intelligent little robot things that I don't know, can like clone tissue or humans or whatever. Yeah. I feel like they use a lot of technology to solve all those dumb little problems we have that we're like, oh, it'd be so much easier if we could just fix this little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to uh, uh, supplement our discussion on science fiction, which in general is a genre that none of us read too often, we do, we do read some, and there's obviously a lot of media to consume with it. Um, but anyway, this month we'll be reading Dawn by Octavia Butler, and we'll be discussing it the last week of the month. So if that's something you guys would be interested in reading along with us, feel free to. (laughs) If you have any other great sci-fi suggestions, hit us up on Facebook at Writers Emerging or join us on Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you next week as we chat about technology in sci-fi.